Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you here for episode number 112 on Monday, January 7th, 2019. Happy New Year. I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. Happy New Year, Michael. Howdy doody. Just waking up from New Year. <laughs> you <laughs> really seem to be, huh? Yeah. Well, we had a big shindig over at uh, the OVP corporate headquarters, corporate headquarters on New yeah. Year's. We, we only do that kind of thing at the corporate headquarters. I was very impressed with your diaper, Gwen, on New Year's. It was nice. You mean Big Show's diaper? Yeah, Big Show's yeah, diaper. He was, was there. He was there. We had a whole diaper party over at yep. OVP headquarters. But folks, we're going to have a party with you because we're going to rock you through the world of retro wrestling. Some cool topics, cool topics in store for the you. The coolest. The coolest of topics. And before we get to any of that we have a cool twitter if you want to follow us there you can go to at ovp podcast on twitter you can also email us in the long form at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com but quinn there is a group a yes. social media gathering if you will community I've heard of it. it's called facebook.com slash new year's baby new year big show yes and over on that great group what can happen there what do you do there what's the story well, you go to Facebook.com, of course. I have one. All yep. the other shit, right? Yep, I have one. Um, you go in the search bar. You type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. The thing it does its magic on the internet. Beep bop boop zingo. It's there. Yeah, zingo. Zingo. That's a word. <laughs> he was a drummer um, in the Beatles. Yeah, zingo. He's Ringo's <laughs> brother. Anyway. It pops up. It says, here's the group, and here's the PR page. Don't click on the PR page. No, click no, no. on the group. group. You join the group, and yep. you're in, and then Charlie Messing, say hello to him, and yeah. say hello to his little friend, Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, whatever. Post pictures, questions, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Anecdotes. Uh, you know, sometimes there's some healthy, friendly debate. We don't encourage negativity and, and, and meanness. No. We, we encourage are... questions like, what was the Macho Man's favorite food, or something <laughs> like that. Slim Jims. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really great group over there. It's unlike any retro wrestling group you've ever been a part of so we encourage you that if you have a facebook go join that group and you know what if you don't have a facebook get one put a fake picture up yeah. use a fake name for all you we can care. use the macho man's picture <laughs> you can what if everyone changed their picture to just the macho man you have a national macho man picture day is but, there a, is there a macho man day i feel like that probably exists there should be if yeah. there isn't we should be the I mean, proprietors this man of that knew the easter bunny so i mean like <laughs> he should definitely have a day devoted to him that is true slim jim's in the easter bunny that is the legacy of the macho man but folks go over to facebook if you have one check out that group the our vantage point retro wrestling podcast discussion group it really is a great time and also later on in the show you'll have some information about our patreon we do have one over at patreon.com slash ovp podcast but quinn this season now and we're into a new year episode two of season 12 we are talking about the downfalls of certain things in professional wrestling last week to introduce the segment we talked about the i guess rise and fall of saturday night's main event yep which was fun i had a good time doing that with you this time around quinn we're going to be talking about the downfall of jobber squash matches. Well, right now, Barry O is really taking it to the head, man. This is something I know that is near and dear to your heart, so I want you to it come is. out of the gate here. Quinn, explain to our audience, what is the idea behind a squash match with a jobber? 
the jobber match. It's a match where a real superstar uh, comes out who wins matches and he beats the shit out of a jobber, which is a guy who never wins. Basically, yeah, like, that's essentially what I don't know what else you can describe them as. Yeah, I don't know if a jobber is now a pejorative term. Maybe enhancement talent, you know, yeah. is a, is a better term for it in this PC world we live in here in 2019. Well, nowadays people just throw around jobber all, like oh they're making him a jobber. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. No, no, that's not you. Go watch jobbers. There's certain people that deserve that name. Guys that don't go to the gym, can't do nothing in the ring but take hip tosses and 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 shitty bumps. They're a jobber. It's They're, usually someone with a lot of body hair, yeah, a lot well, of flab. Well, either, either, well, either a lot of flab or, <laughs> Bad haircut. or way too skinny. One way too skinny. One or the right. other. Like, no tan, usually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mustache, mullet, perhaps. Yeah, usually dirty looking. <laughs> Sometimes it's even wrestlers who were something, but because they had a little dirtiness to them, like, um, what was that guy with the boombox? Buck Zumoff. Buck Zumoff. Last he, week, yeah. That guy looked like a jobber when he was a superstar. He really did. So did Skinner. He, he, yeah, he <laughs> slipped right in there and became a jobber. And the jobbers, folks, uh, we're going to continue to use that term because it's the most well-known, were ubiquitous on programming, like Quinn mentioned, in pretty much the 70s, 80s, and into the mid-90s. Even, yeah, even the 90s. Now, when I first started watching wrestling, it was just Jobber City, yep. Brooklyn Brawler versus this guy or yeah. something. You know, it would just be Jobbers, and then there'd be like the last match, two stars would fight each other, maybe. Yes, like, sometimes. Sometimes, or maybe a belt would be on the line, sure. possibly. And like Quinn said, the point of this is that the established star, and it wasn't, you know, star meaning just anyone with a freaking gimmick and somewhat of a push. It could yeah. have been a mid-carter. Could it have could been a, be Mantar for it, all we care. Literally, yeah. it was, right? Yeah. What do you call him? Mantar? Mantar, that's right. Obviously, this individual uh, attempting to intimidate his opponent. Walter, Walter Slow? Is that his name? Slow? Well, that's how it's spelled. S-L-O-W. And what they would do is they would come out and do a one to three minute match where they would mainly just be on offense, beat the crap out of this person. You get to see their finisher. Yeah, lots of bear hugs. I get to see <laughs> stomping, you know, yeah. clubbing forearms. But is a mainly big one. their finisher. And and to me, this is what makes these matches so special. And you might say, Quinn, these were the most boring thing ever. Quinn, these were the most boring thing ever. Right, exactly. People might say that. However, people fail to see the bigger picture with jobbers. Okay, let's paint it. The reason you cared about these pay-per-view matches and they weren't just like now where it's like, well, it's time for this, so I guess we're going to do this <laughs> Time now. for TLC. Yeah, it's time or it's time for Royal Rumble or yep. something, right? Instead, people looked forward for months to seeing non-jobber matches, right. to seeing matches where the guys, where they were doing their finishers, like the Million Dollar Dream. The DDT. Or the Super Kick or whatever. Sure. Where these superstars who have finishing moves would fight each other. Yeah. And this made it a bigger deal when a star hit their move in the big match or even the fact when two guys that had not lost for months right. would fight each other, it'd be like, well, who's going to win, right? Exactly. Like it, it, it is a fundamental like storyline thing that has just gone away with the, the modern time. One more thing I want to mention about what was so great about them. Not only do you see the finishers and finally you pit two guys together, it gave the announcers a couple of minutes every week mm -hmm. to expound upon these guys' characters, yeah. provide some exposition, talk them up, you know, promote we were, them. We were doing season's beatings. Yeah, We talked about how J.R. loved Henry Godwin. He would hype the shit out of him. Right. But, like, that's necessary because, you know, this farmer guy comes out and, like, yeah. why would you think he's good? <laughs> like, Lord God was a one big, tough, rugged, strong individual. 
But I'm That's just a saying, good point, like, though. Right, we, right. We need to understand this guy's like an athlete. And yeah. He's no pushover, right? And, and you get to see these guys win, and you get to see what they're all about in the ring. And I, I loved the jobber squashes because you got to see people use their finishing moves. Like I always knew, and have their entrance music and have their music right. I always knew that they were going to win, even right. as a stupid kid. No, right? as a kid, maybe when you're when I was first getting into wrestling, I thought this is really boring and stupid, sure. right? But as I as especially once it was gone, then I realized, oh. You kind of need this, and I'm, you know, they've brought it back in in things like NXT. It's a always a storyline yeah. device, though, yeah. or generally is. Yeah. Here's the thing with jobber matches: they were on pretty much any show, any promotion here in yeah, North it America. It didn't matter which one. WCW had them. WWF had them. Saturday Night had a lot of Saturday them, and Saturday Night to me had, was like the king of the jobbers. Like, right, th- those were the most creative jobbers. And even Vince McMahon's big <laughs> flagship, you know, the innovative Monday Night Raw that started in '93, that had the jobber matches oh, for years. Yeah, yeah for, for years and years. Now here's the downfall of it. Monday Night Wars. That's right. essentially when this happened because in 95, when Eric Bischoff was pitting Nitro against Raw, WCW was developing a very stacked roster by 95, 96. Right. There wasn't any room for jobbers. There wasn't any room. They could afford to put on lower card talent versus mid card talent instead right. of jobbers, you know? Right. These no names. Now, now, granted, there were some notable jobbers. The Gambler, of course. Yeah, I mean, the Gambler was great. What about, like, Men at Work or whatever they were? <laughs> yeah, or, right. Or, like, Roadblock. Sure. Like, people like that. And in WWE, you had your Brooklyn Brawlers, your Barry Horowitz, your Dwayne Gill, Those Barry guys were Hardy. a little more indescript, I would say. The, the yeah, jobbers they over were known. at WCW were, they were more gimmicked. else. Right. Like, Basically, what WCW did is they would do star matches. And again, using that word star in its broadest sense, you yeah. know, because not everyone's like Craig Pittman technically would be a star. Yeah. I <laughs> you mean, know, like, only on Saturday night. He never right, right, won right. a Nitro ever. Correct. But they would have actual name matches, WWF was forced to follow suit. So they started phasing out the jobbers, but one thing they did is they brought in the gimmicked jobbers of 1996. Yeah, so this was like the last straw to me, and it's something we always bring up, is this stupid these jobbers who won a couple matches, but then they were forever jobbers yes. in, in the Plumber Man, and, Teal, and Yeah, Teal Hopper, what, of course. Um, there was who? Tracy Smothers. Freddie Joe Floyd, yeah. Alex the Pug Porto, yeah. Salvatore Sincere, all these guys, right? Yeah. And even guys like Bob Holly were kind of like demoted down yeah to that it's sparky plug was a weird situation with that because he was a guy who wasn't a jobber and then they just decided he was a jobber yeah. but he wasn't like old yet or anything no not like, at it all. was just like was in the prime of his life you know he was the guy that used to beat jobbers on superstars right like, he would so win matches it was weird when he was the jobber for like two years right we are pleased you've joined us this week bob holly stone cold steve austin so by 1996-97 on both raw and nitro there's no more jobbers yeah they just disappear and I hated it. And that essentially was it for years and years. Because during the Monday Night Wars, Quinn, I don't know if they could have afforded to do that. I'll what say, do you think? I'll say this. Um, you look back. I don't want to say the jobbers completely 100% disappeared. They didn't. Because as they were facing them out, there were these final years where they were only on Superstars and Saturday Night. Yeah, which Superstar, good point. Superstar yeah. started airing its final exclusive matches in the U.S. in 97. Mm-hmm. I think they would sometimes appear on Shotgun maybe in 98, yeah. 99, but you're right. And yeah. Saturday Night, same thing, you know, 97, 98, 99. Yeah, it was always fun on Saturday Night, Dusty getting very excited about, like, jobbers. <laughs> yeah, like, and hard work and Bobby Walker. It led to weird moments like, uh, he's got a bicycle! Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like, it just so strange, those last years of jobbers, because they became, like, the jobbers became rare. Yes, like, they did. And it was a very weird thing. But I also think like something was lost. I think so too. 
But let me ask you this. What do you do you think they could have afforded? You got to remember now, folks, you're going to take you back to, say, 1998. We're at the heat of the Monday Night Wars, mm-hmm. the height of the business, you know, or beginning its ascent. When you've got hot storylines like Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, and a segment after segment after segment, and over on WCW, you've got Hogan, you've got the NWO, you've got Sting, you've got Goldberg. Could they have afforded to put these jobber matches no. on the main program? Okay, no, good. No, they, I'm not going to act like Raw and, and Nitro could afford to have... Because when you are fighting for who's staying on the... Not flipping the clicker or whatever Yeah, they the say. clicker. So did you ever wonder why some people call their remote a clicker? No. You can't have Matt Hardy as a baby get right. squashed for 10 minutes. By or man. Or, yeah. <laughs> for example, yeah. I know we're mixing everything, yeah. but you can't because no one wants to see that. Yeah, They yeah. want to see the hot storylines. They want to see Sable. You know, they want to see right. the Nitro girl. Well, I don't know now, about that, but. Once competition didn't exist anymore, on the other hand. You mean 2001? Yeah. I don't really see why we still needed to go at this breakneck pace of like everything is, you know, a pay-per-view match. Well, do you think this is damned if they do, damned if they didn't, Quinn? Because if they had tried to scale it back to the pre-95 style of doing things, don't you think people would have been like, what the fuck is this? They could have done it. You see, this is the problem, is they didn't switch back immediately. Because they didn't do that, they now have set this precedent that this is like, the WWF is going to always be like this. Yeah, but Quinn, I mean, they just had acquired WCW's roster. What are they going to do? All right, so now we have more guys. We won. Here's Tim McNeeny. Second on Tim McNeeny. I'm just saying, can't those new WCW guys fight jobbers or something? Like so That would have been interesting. Like, would anyone have watched? Would you have watched? I mean, you probably would have. <laughs> okay. I don't think I feel like I fully explained like, why this is so important. Because it truly has everything to do with the fact that now everyone complains. It's like, oh, every pay-per-view feels the same and blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't feel the same if there was jobbers. That's basically it. But how do you recommend? I like this turn that this has taken, though, because now we get to have Michael Quinn, the promoter, you know? Yeah. The Bob Geigel over here. Yeah, I'm but- the Bob Geigel <laughs> of podcasting. <laughs> That's what they call Can we me. get a t-shirt made yeah. that says that, please? Yeah. So how would you recommend that they integrate jobbers into the current programming? Here's the thing. Is That's they, what I'm asking. They try sometimes, which is really weird, but they never like follow through with it. Now, you're not talking about James Ellsworth, right? Because that was no, like a I'm gimmick not, jobber sometimes and a piece jo- of shit. Believe it or not, Joe, I, I have because I track this anytime I hear on the Internet that somebody faced a, a local talent, I get excited. Do you really? Yeah, because I'm like, oh, are they finally doing it? And then like it never it never works. It's like maybe two weeks in a row and they stop. And like, it's usually to build someone real quick. Right. Like didn't Braun Strowman fight they jobbers for a while? Not, fight jobbers. Yeah, like, yeah right. like they do that for like big people yeah yeah it's right, always right. giants like or something or people that are bigger than the rest of the roster it's call back to the old like handicap matches that hogan and andre right. and all them used to have what yes. i want is just i just want squashes left and right and then like <laughs> if you, on raw see here's the thing is they have a pay-per-view every month now it's not like they you do. have to wait six months or whatever to see wrestlemania like you know what i mean see okay so i, I just want to get this straight i'm not even saying i entirely disagree with this premise i really yeah. not you're saying from a from a wrestling point of view you'd rather see less 50 50 meaningless matches on raw right. and, and it, more and more frequently too. more guys getting showcased and beating the shit out of people right exactly i think Again, you might have it something goes here. back to the 50 the 50 50 is another like side effect of all of this right because you don't have the stars squishing people all the time, right. you have the stars fighting the stars, and then 
because they're like equal, they both have to win at some point. So like nothing ever gets resolved. And that is one of the least gratifying things about wrestling today, honestly. Yeah. Is that nothing ever gets resolved. No, it wins and loss. You know that cliche, wins and losses don't matter. The same people that say that get mad when someone loses, but yeah. I digress, you know. But you're right. It would be more satisfying, I'd say maybe is the right word. Right. If people just won because they were beating people that it didn't matter if they lost. Right. Exactly. I don't like I don't I'm not saying don't have superstar versus superstar matches ever again on <laughs> Raw or, or SmackDown or whatever. I'm just saying that, like, make them the feature contest. Right. And, have and, a couple of them. Right. Because it's a three hour show. Well, have one for each hour. Right. Fine. Because Raw's in the mess it's in. Whatever. <laughs> I, there, there's nothing they'll ever be able to do about that. No, no. Written themselves in a corner with that one. Yeah. They're making However, some good monies on that one, too. You could have three jobber matches and a feature match for each hour. Hey! Like, and like, mix in your interviews. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing, to wrap it all the way back around now, you know what's great about those jobber matches is you'd either get an insert interview from the actual wrestler mm-hmm. that was wrestling, right? Like a little inbox promo, yep. or of his current like opponent that he was feuding with. Yep. The headman could find himself in trouble when he faces the Barbarian. We spoke to Bret Hart earlier. Barbarian, go ahead and bring anything you want. Bring your fur, bring your horns. But the bottom line is, you're going to have to out-wrestle me to beat me. And that's not going to happen. Ooh, big words by the hitman, but the Barbarian's going to put him down. What an easy way to use three minutes of TV time. It's so good. Like, I still am, like, baffled why... They have never gone, like, even tried, really. Do you think the cat is so far out of the bag that it's over at some other guy's litter box taking a shit? I think they feel like that, and I say that very specifically here, because they feel like that, but at the same time, over in NXT, they're doing that. They're doing True. the jobber matches. They, they are. What do you know? Every NXT pay-per-view that's not every month, and you've been seeing them fight jobbers each week. Yeah. Every single one, everyone's like, it's the best thing ever. True. And I, that's not even hype. They're actually like really good. Because right. the cool thing about NXT is that as an adult, I don't have to watch each show because I know it's jobber matches and stuff, right? right? And if I want to, it's just a nice little like leisurely watch with a feature match or whatever. You watch it at your breakfast bar? Yeah, I watch it at my <laughs> breakfast bar, right? But by the time you get to the NXT big takeover show, yeah. it's no jobber matches and all the guys you've been like wanting to see fight for weeks or months even now they're finally fighting right and everyone's like all hyped up i'm getting like goosebumps at like the stare downs and stuff like it's like it seems like a big deal that's because it is a big deal yeah and it's very similar to the way they used to do things back in the day but i guess my main i guess doubt is that people would probably think the product has regressed if they did this don't you think they already say it. They're going to say it regress no matter, <laughs> no matter what. what. Right? You can't please people. It's not. Nothing's going to ever be good enough. So why don't they just do this? Yeah. Like honestly. Okay, that's fair. Like, enough, I, I, I don't really see the downside because they're going to just. Everyone's going to hate everything anyway. Like <laughs> that's good. Well, you know what? <laughs> to wrap it up here, I will say I think jobber matches are very good. I think they build characters. They help you get excited for the big pay per views, like you mentioned. I'm still not sure if they have a place today, but I. I think uh, you were, it was very enlightening, Quinn, the way you explained how that could still work today. And it is unfortunate, would you say, the downfall overall. Yeah. Despite its necessity because of the time period when they were phased out, it is unfortunate that some 20 years later now, there hasn't been any real attempt to return to that business model, that, I guess, or so that to speak. format for the show. That Let's format put it that way. for the show. Well, folks, let us know what you think of jobbers and the squash matches. Would you like to see a return to them? Did you like them growing up? What Any impressions, any 
funny stories. Let I don't us think know. anyone's going to say they like them growing <laughs> up. However, you never know. They're like again. I, I want to say this. They're a necessity. If you ask me, to how wrestling works. I think fundamentally you have a very good point there, yeah. Quinn. So folks, let us know your points. You do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us. Join the group if you haven't yet, but Quinn, when we come back, it is week two of the Royal Rankings. Two more. Enter the mix here, Michael. That'll be coming up right after this. wrestling fans howdy doody we're here to tell you about our patreon yes we do have one it's at patreon.com slash ovp podcast and quinn how many tiers do we have three delicious tiers we have three delicious tiers we're going to tell you about them real quick here for one dollar you get to watch the raw video of quinn and i making every single monday show that means quinn that they get to see what shirts we're wearing the shirts the most important part of the one dollar tier now for two dollars not only do you get the shirts but every other friday it's mount rushmore and death valley extra where quinn and i put the four best of something and for worst of something onto Mount Rushmore and Death Valley and Quinn it could be hats yeah it could be about doink and then for three dollars in between on the alternating Fridays we explore 1982 WWF Quinn it's got Jimmy Snooker, it's got Bob Orton it's got Chief J Strongbow and that's about it and that is about it so that is on the three dollar tier that's right go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast but Quinn I don't think they will shed any tears over our prices Welcome to Chunkamania! Rowdy Roddy Piper eats chunky chili beef soup with a fork! Fork! Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, uses a spoon! Spoon! Fork. Let's find fork. out who rules! <laughs> Of beef, the soup that eats like a meal. Fork or spoon, it's awesome! And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here, and Happy New Year. It is episode number 112 on Monday, January the 7th, 2019. Quinn, Royal Rankings, uh, Phase two is upon us it's this back. season. Phase two, what is it, the Marvel <laughs> Universe or something? Yeah, exactly. We'll take a Marvel at the current rankings here before we kick off the segment. It's a big list here. At number one is Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah, the best ever. Yep. Like the best commentator to ever exist. The right? king of commentators, the right? King, yeah, he's the king of comedy also. And <laughs> number two is Bobby Cottle. Yeah. Folksy. Gentlemanlike. Yeah. That's all I have to say about Bob Cottle is, yeah. Oh, well, Quinn, that's not so nice. But we'll <laughs> see who else enters the mix. And if you're new to the show here, folks, what happens during Royal Rankings is throughout the course of 10 episodes, that's a season, mm-hmm. we take two people each week and add them into the mix here, and then we rank them in the overall. So at the end of this season, you're going to have a definitive OVP, definitive top 10 list. I mean, it's going to go in the magazines, right? Guinness Book of Records. The OVP magazine. Wikipedia. um, The OVP Wikipedia. The Observer. The Observer. This list is really important. It's really important. It's the most important (laughs) list in wrestling. And obviously, feel free to let us know your rankings after each show. Let us know as they update. But Quinn... Let's go to the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. 
Up here. His eyes are closed, he can't open them! Stop! It's the Royal Rankings week number two of the announcers. Quinn, as we mentioned here, King is number one. He is the king right now. He's the king of commentary. <laughs> and number two is Bob Caudle. He's so, there. So, Quinn, it's it's interesting interesting times here because I think we mentioned last week, unlike the previous season where we did the WWF Champions, mm-hmm. which is a little more cut and dried, this one is much more open-ended. I think our fans are going to have more disparate opinions here. I think there's going to be a lot of disagreement about a lot of things. And I think that's part of the fun, folks. So I mean, people are probably already upset that King's at number one. Of course. Yeah. But uh, why don't we find out, Quinn, who drew number three? Oh my God! It's Joey oh Styles. <laughs> okay, Joey so, Styles so made it. Joey Styles is that even his real name? No, it's not his real name. What is, is it? The, Joseph Gordon Levitt? I don't know. Joseph Bonsignor or something. Yeah. Is <laughs> Joseph that really Gordon Bonsignor. Bon I don't know. That's, like that. that's his name. <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes, yeah. that's who it is. The guy from Third Rock from the Sun. Right. Him. <laughs> yes. Like him. The, the, the rookie of the year. Kid. Yes. Yeah. Someone please explain why I struck out last night when all Sally had to do was grunt. <laughs> no, no, Dick. Could be the boobs. So Joey Styles, folks, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, was the voice of ECW from pretty much the beginning. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I think Paul was with him or something. Yeah. Like, I, I remember watching some of the early episodes and, like, Paul's there and yes. stuff. Sometimes Eddie Gilbert's on the... It's, yeah, it's Eddie annoying. Gilbert, the promoter. Yeah. Yeah. But Styles was there in 93. He was with ECW the entire time until 2001. And I know, Quinn, you're a big Joey Styles fan. I appreciate Joey Styles. I like him because he's one of the only guys... And I know people are going to say Gordon or whatever. Gordon who? Gord, the the Gordon, fisherman? Gordon Nassi, but Gordon um, Ramsay. Yeah. Fuck off you, you fat, useless sack of fucking Yankee Danky doodle shite. He's one of the only guys that is really good on his own that I can ever think of. Yeah, I think Gordon's good on his own too, but yeah, for for let's we'll Joey's, save him. Joey's really fun though. We'll save Gordon for when he gets picked, right? Yeah. We won't talk about Gordon. Now, but Joey, so. what I always like about Joey Styles is he can be very kayfabe, but he also can be very real on like the drop of a hat. Like it can just like change. He's and- like, uh, yeah, he's he's a um an early or better version of like a Matt Striker type character. He's way better than oh, Matt yeah, Striker. Way better. Don't and get I me like wrong. Striker too. Mm-hmm. I I I think Striker gets a bad rap, but like I think Joey Styles is like really really good for what he is for he- what he has to work with for like the product he's shilling like he's like the perfect commentator like he he, it's actually like almost like another thing that i think ecw just lucked out with i think so i mean ecw was an enigma in its own right you know mid 90s and joey styles was the perfect fit for what they were doing because here was a guy that could not only talk seriously about wrestling call the moves and call them properly yeah Jackie's dropping elbows, reverse by Irish. Johnny Hotbody comes in with the shoulder tackle off the rope, far side, and pulls out his scoop and backbreaker on Johnny Hotbody. 
But working by himself, he had to come up with ways to keep that flowing. And he did. He was funny, like you said. He was articulate, but he could also do the complete opposite yeah. and go into like 80s kayfabe oversell mode. He was yeah. at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Who saw through the table? He also made, he did the thing that I always like that announcers, you know, good announcers do, is he made ECW feel like a living, breathing environment yeah like a, environment or product or a, sure you know even though it's a fictional world technically i mean you're talking about a place where literally a backstage promos at the arena were filmed in front of a washing machine with a banner covering it right but the way styles sold everything you would never know that i mean styles his entire run acted like he was in the crow's nest but he was really just in paul's basement yeah like I, doing voiceover doing voiceover yeah so Styles, folks, not only did he do ECW from 93 to 2001, and might I add, he did some great work when he did have partners. He was with Joel Gertner towards the end there and yeah. Don Callis as right. Cyrus. Jim Molino, whose skull kind of looks like one of my big... Okay, okay. Right, exactly. And he was great with a partner. It wasn't like he and actually, I always couldn't like, team. You know? Yeah, I like those situations because the idea that they're throwing in somebody with Joey with it's almost like seems like heresy. Like, don't right. it's Joey Styles. Don't mess with it. Right. But, it was but like, good. but the, even the ECW, they would play into it. Like these people were annoying him. Like, they, well, yeah, they were placed in there by heels. Generally, especially yeah. Joel Gertner for yeah. crying out loud. One I mean, of the most Joel annoying Gert heel commentators. Joel Gertner was fun. He's pretty hilarious. He was great. Like, yeah, yeah, he was like, great. He is. He's one of those guys that, you know what? Like he never went beyond ECW, right. nor should he. Have his his character was very like very yeah. ECW stayed in its lane. Yeah, didn't try to venture. Now maybe if you were not an ECW fan or you're not too familiar, maybe you only know the name. You know ECW. Joey Styles was also familiar to WWE fans. He was the for some reason I guess Vince thought he was getting someone different because he didn't like Joey Styles after a few months. But he had Joey Styles be the voice of Raw starting in late '05. So okay. This is what I honestly think Vince thought he was getting with Joey Styles because he takes one look at Joey Styles, right? Wears a nice suit. Black hair. Usually a black shirt, so he's stylish guy. Joey like, Styles. Uh, Joey Styles. He, Sharp his, glasses. His name is Joey Styles. Yep. Um, he has dark hair. Professional glasses, appearance, professional right? Professional appearance. He thinks he's getting another boy, which is his dream. Since he, he needs the 80s. to find the boy, right? From DeGeorge to <laughs> Mooney to that guy that was like a con artist, the one that went on Donahue. Right. E the, the elusive search for the boy, which right. he would eventually settle on Michael Cole after like 20 years of looking. Yeah, and right, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're right. I think, that's a, I never thought of that. You right. think that's what he thought he was getting? Yes, I think that he, there's no way he watched an episode <laughs> of ECW in his life. Are you kidding me? I bet it's other people must have, right? For him, yeah. like Bruce or something. Johnny Laryngitis. Yeah, or something. But like, he never, he just took one look at him and he's like, oh, he looks like Cole, but like, <laughs> he doesn't have frosted tips or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it was 05. Yeah, and Joey Styles was on Raw for about six months and he worked with King and I think Coachman was the third guy. Welcome back to Raw. This is a road to WrestleMania tournament semifinal matchup. The Big Show versus Triple H. And look at the Big Show bleeding. Well, you're right. Big Show bleeding. And this is how that bleeding came about. And it was refreshing because, as we mentioned last week, by the mid-2000s, JR and King 
they had been past their prime as a team. <laughs> they were. I, I always contend they weren't like horrible. I know, but I'm not. Like, I'm not calling them horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're past their prime. Right. They're right? Past their prime. Let's so, put it that way. So to bring in Joey Styles, Jr. I think had to take time off for was it the colon thing or he, I don't remember. Legi- Jr. always something's wrong with his and body. Vince is always mad at them. Yeah, right? Vince is always like you suck. <laughs> yeah, and always job, brings him back. Even, and, he, and he's the best, basically. So they have Joey Styles with uh, King, and Joey Styles was pretty much Joey Styles, but with a couple of partners and calling right. WWE work. And then he has this worked shoot promo in May of 06. You remember that one where he basically says how stupid the fucking product is? Well, makes fun of WWE. It's worked shoot. Yeah. Five years before the pipe bomb, mind you. No one ever talks about this one. Yeah. I, I don't really remember much about it other than like it was funny. Don't but... worry. We will have clips of it right about here. WWE called me. I didn't call this company because I was looking for a job. Because they had humiliated and fired again Jim Ross. So I get JR's spot. And from week one, week after week, I've got an ongoing lecture about the differences in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. I'm told to deliberately ignore the moves and the holds during the matches so I can tell stories. Well, ignoring the moves and the holds is damn insulting to the athletes, the wrestlers, not the entertainers, who leave their families 300 days a year to ply their craft in that ring. So there you go. But yeah, that was it for him as a WWF announcer. That's how they wrote him (laughs) off, right? But he was actually the reason behind that, if I recall, is they were going to transition him to the dot-com. He was overseeing the dot-com. And he he did for, I think, until only like a year or two ago. Yeah, recently. Very recently. He finally left. Yep. So And he was great at that. He actually did really help their website be better. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than it was back in the day. You know who ran it before Styles? Who? Michael Cole. <laughs> the, the, the two boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's Joey Styles. I mean, overall, Quinn, I think he's tremendous. I think that he was um, a really, really great fit for ECW. Yeah, definitely. But he could have been good in WWF. But he, I, I just want to say a, a, yeah. a couple other things about him before we move on. Yeah, um, of course, he really had a lot of great moments. One in particular, I, I think of is um, the first ECW pay per view. He was tremendous. He was. He really made it feel like this was like an accomplishment for the company. And I think besides the main event, Quinn, he called that whole thing by himself. He did. I think he had Dreamer with him at the end or something like that. Yeah, it was it, it was basically because Dreamer was hurt and they wanted to fit Dreamer on the show because they were like, well, he got us here. Like, that's bullshit if yeah. we don't like put him on there. Yeah, right. So I think also Shane Douglas was hurt and he was also slipped in also. Oh, okay. But you're right. I mean, Styles always sold ECW. Mm-hmm. Dare I say, as bigger than it really was. Right. He made it feel like a big deal product. Um, there's other good moments. I remember him in front of the hospital when um, Sandman got his face oh, burnt sure, off or whatever. Oh, sure, with cigarette eye. And like, I think we reviewed that. And we I did. And I always loved Joey. Like He would go on location sometimes, and I kind of dug that about him. It was like, great. That they would like show him. And again, it's this... Even though that this is the most ridiculous, dumb thing, ECW, people are jumping off the roof sure. and like it's silly and it doesn't really make much sense. 
he just always made it feel like, no, this is real life and these people are crazy. Yep. That's what I love about him. And I think he just he doesn't get enough credit. And I think he's one of those guys that unfortunately will be forgotten about as time goes on. Yeah, because I'm starting to see it now. Like, I I really feel like ECW is kind of like we're starting to finally see the erosion and the fading. You know, the people who who that appealed to at that time are now in jail, 40 or 50 years old. Yes. they're, you know, Fat. they're not, they might not even be watching wrestling anymore. It was a very special, like, thing that happened yep. in that period. And that's why I think Joey Styles might, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for what he did. I've gone back and forth on him. And obviously, when we rank him, we'll talk more about that. But I think he is very good. All things yeah. considered, I think he's very, very good. And, I mean, he had some great, you know, turns of phrase and, and the way he called things like, cut the hajime and all yeah. that stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> and he called moves. For an American audience that had never seen these moves before. Right, because ECW did, you know, believe it or not, there was a lot of wrestling on that show. Yeah, and he was quite capable and competent and very entertaining at what he did. So, big props to Joey Styles. Quinn, I think it's time now to find out who drew number four. Oh, come on, Mike Tanay. So, <sighs> Tony, Tony, Tony. You know, always my first reaction is, uh, but then I always think the beginning of Mike Tanay was fun. Mm. All right. You have like a, you completely don't like him. I think it's his like, face and his voice. He's just got a double whammy combo of well, me not liking me, him. Okay, his look. If, if Mike Tanay has a look, Gator look, D. <laughs> he looks like what I would expect some dork that studies wrestling to look like. <laughs> like, like his he fits his character perfect. You cannot deny his, he has the look. Oh, that's true. Well, before becoming a wrestling announcer, Mike Tanay actually did do like a radio show what, about, about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike Tanay first made his big North American debut on the WCW. AAA co-promoted pay-per-view when what? Worlds Collide. I, I've never seen that before. November 94. Yeah, that's that was the one is, where... Is that the shows up because of something? I don't know if he's in that or not, but basically what happened was they had no one else from WCW that could announce it or wanted to announce it, so they brought in Mike Tanay. And as he pulls off the mask, Chris, we should let everyone know it's an automatic disqualification if you happen to pull your opponent's mask off. And he made an impression upon people because I'll tell you this about Mike Tanay, folks. If you're not familiar with him, he's best known as the analyst during the nitro era the professor and thunder, the professor mike tna and he's also known unfortunately as the voice of tna for like 13 years yep uh before that was handed over which to bitter josh matthews right which i don't like to begrudge him for because that was literally his only shot at the big time <laughs> vince and, uh, didn't want him yeah so well <laughs> big I, time no well because what i would say i'd say this is i bet you Set your vince, clock's back if that's big time i would i bet you vince would have taken him as an analyst i guarantee you he would i think what Tanay wanted career-wise, like as a person who works at a job, was a promotion to to lead announcer. And sure, I, and I think he just wasn't going to get that at WWE. And I know you're <laughs> laughing, but whatever. But no shit. But TNA was willing to offer him that position. That's why I never like begrudge him for Don't like going. Him. Like I, I think that was like a perfectly logical thing for him to do Fine. was to go to TNA. That's okay. But in WCW, he was best known as the, almost always the third guy in the early days on the commentary team. Right. 
Was he the second hour? Or was he there for both hours when he was um, around? Generally, second, right? Sometimes he would show up in the first. He would be with. He would show up with Larry. Sometimes. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. Larry! Ew, Bruno's yard here. The they new would, world owner. Now, at the beginning of Mike Tanay, they used to only bring him in for the cruiserweight matches. This is correct, Michael. Yes, I remember this specifically, and that's where I really liked him. He was like, excellent. I mean, this dude. For all the shit I'm giving him, yeah. he knows this stuff. He knew what he was talking about, and that's what I always liked about him. Actually, when Scorpio wrestled in Mexico, he wore a mask. I did not know that. That's why when Joe likes to crap on him, I love like, to crap but, on him. But he he was like he knew he, his shit. He Quinn. knew his shit, and that's something you always criticize a lot of announcers for for not knowing for their not, shit. And Mike Tenay was he did know his Look, shit. That was the point of him. God knows I love Bobby Heenan. Right. But you can't have... All he's going to do is make jokes and no one would ever take well, these guys seriously. if it was just Bobby and, and Tony, Tony for cruiserweights. That's what I mean. Imagine what a mess that would be. And I love Bobby. Bobby would be but that joke was not, city. Right. He doesn't know or care about any of that <laughs> stuff. And Tony probably only half cares, right, right by yeah. that point. So to have Tanae come in and actually provide background and context and explain moves and the psychology behind him, that I think helped get the cruiserweight division over. What I thought was interesting about all that, too, was is I actually saw the brain starting you could you noticed over time he was starting to accept the cruiserweights because Tanae was there and he was like right. working himself into the thing and you you start to hear after a while like brain talk about the cruiserweights in like reverence and how competitive it was and stuff right and right like, is this the same brain like what yeah. like you know yeah so it was in late 96 I think he permanently became on the the nitro team right. with Shivani and brain and which he, was a welcome addition because it was, get, was good you know nitro was starting like to be more cruiserweight heavy. Right. And today it was fun to see him apply the professor stuff to like US title and sure. TV title. Sure. Especially TV title, because those were like the more worker matches. Yep. Now during this period of time, for the record here, Tanay was not the play by play guy. He was a color analyst, meaning right. meaning Shivani steered the ship and Tanay would chime in with like actual analysis and you know context and Bobby would be Bobby, you know, right. like WCW Bobby. <laughs> right. And I, I just I just <laughs> always liked that like you would see some move, you know, some cruiserweight like like, I didn't know what a 450 splash, that might sound really stupid. No, it's not. But when I was, like, a kid, I didn't know what that even fucking meant. Sure. Like, I, they were, like, 450. I'm, like, what? I don't understand because I didn't get degrees and I was, like, you know, eight or something. Yeah. Like, I hadn't taken, like, trigonometry yet or whatever the fuck. So, like, when they explain, like, you know, what these moves are and stuff, like, it, yeah. it, it was actually helpful. You know, my, Tony, you see how he rotates there with his right. knees. Yeah. yeah. But, no, you're right, though, Quinn. Yeah. So, Tanae did get his day in the sun in WCW as a lead announcer. He became the voice of Thunder towards the end, so that's not exactly something to hang your hat on, but he Again, did. it was Tanae. I always looked at Tanae as somebody that was always, like, he was doing a job, and like anybody doing a job, he wanted a promotion. So, like, he would want to, you know, be the lead announcer sure, or whatever. That's, and yeah. that's fine. And then in TNA in 2002, he became the lead voice. And so now we've got Mike Tanae, the main guy, the play-by-play guy. Daniels on fire, single leg thrust kick, delivered to the chest of Chase Stevens. Follow up, right hand, cutting right in the side of the head. With Don West. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. <laughs> the, the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Numerous Griffey rookies are going to be out here. Now, this Tanay stinks. Well, okay. Let me say something about Tanay here. He annoys me. To be fair to him, he was like competent. He could call the moves. Oh, absolutely. He, he was knew the totally moves. like capable of being a lead announcer. 
The problem in with, theory, no, and actually he was good at calling the matches. This is where this is where everything like the wheels fall off. Okay, is because when you're the lead announcer, you have to also like shill everything and make even the dumbest shit sound good and like all this. And this and, is TNA we're talking about, right? And so <laughs> you didn't have, have the right number of sides on the you, ring. You have TNA, and you have. Um, Mike Tanay trying, you know, his damnedest to make this seem, you know, normal, Good. I guess, or whatever it is. And it just kind of like made him look shitty over time. Well, you got like a, a roaring grizzly bear of a partner next to you. That's just like the worst right. thing ever. Now, there is the one good moment where like, I don't remember what exactly. I think somebody won the world title. That was like a big face. No, and, not like, when they high five. Yes. Where they like all celebrate that's together. Horrible. But that that moment, makes me hate Mike tonight. <laughs> that moment is only funny to me because that was like the culmination of their partnership because they've God. been together for like four years or something when that happened. And it was kind of like this kind of funny moment where they like high five horrible yes! 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 Mike Tanay's got a face for print media. Let me tell you that much. I mean, just He's awful. He's got a face for podcasting. He doesn't have a voice for it, though. Yeah. But anyway, so they were they were a long-time team. And then I forget who they replaced Wes with. Taz, I think, was Don yeah, West's so replacement. Taz, and actually, I Taz like... Good. Taz Tanay is actually like... It's much better. It's pretty good. It's not it's not bad. Because um, Taz is good. Taz is a pretty good announcer. Right, and that's like the last decent era of TNA. So like that was during like a good time. Like AJ Styles was Christopher good. Christopher Daniels, yeah, that you know, era. All that Samoa stuff. Joe, yes, all I that stuff. I thought that was all that was, that was all great. Kurt Angle was there at the time. Curtis Angle was there. Yeah, Sting so, was probably there. Yeah. And so I thought that was a that they were fine during yeah. that. Now, that was probably the best of Tanay at lead. Um after that, he didn't give a fuck anymore because <laughs> no. like this company blows. And then he like, left. Even Tanay could see the writing on the wall. I think he took written in crayon. He took like an assignment where he was just on a recap show for TNA that was only on like four channels in America or something. That was once Josh Matthews took over as the lead right. play-by-play guy, right? But that was like you could tell like Tanay was looking for the exits, and this was like him. this is like a soft exit where he could just be like, <laughs> okay, I'll just do yeah. an assignment or something. And then he kind of quietly departed, and he was never really. It was never no big thing like Mike Tanay gone, you know? Yeah, he just left. In one sense, it was a little sad to see this guy who I think had aspirations to really, you know, make it to the big time kind of give up. I guess so. But I mean, he did. He had a very respectable career. He did. As much respect as TNA can commandeer. But I, I'd say he did have a good career. And his entire WCW run was respected, to be fair. A lot of people have yes. fond memories of the WCW run, even even though we'll see some stuff today where it wasn't so good. No, but. I know that. But I think overall, Mike Tanay was very good. And I think we've paid a fitting tribute to both gentlemen, Joey Styles and Mike Tanay here. Yeah. It is now ranking time, Quinn. And just a, a quick update on the extensive ranking so far. Very extensive. Number one, King. Number yeah. two, Caudle. All right. Okay. Now, where do we... I, I say Joey Styles hops them both for now, honestly. Hmm. Well, I think there's some merit to comparing King to um, Joey Styles yeah. for a well, second. King's got the crown right now, so... He does have the crown. Um, he's defending it against Joey Styles. So, King. King has had his moments, just like Joey Styles. Yep. King is more comedy. He's a king of comedy. Yep, he's a color man only. He's so, a color man only. Very um, rare that you Joey, hear him do play-by-play. Play. Joey, I, I think I've seen him on color, too. Like, because he was with Cole, wasn't he, at some point? Uh, I don't think so. I think he was always. Then he remember he was with Taz on ECW yeah, WWE version. Wasn't there a point where he it was like Cole King and and Joey? I don't think so. 
Hmm. Joey was always a play-by-play guy. Okay, I for some reason I, I feel I felt like he was on the side at some point. I don't think okay, so. Okay, well Quinn. then maybe Joey's never really done color. He, he just but by himself he's really doing both. He's you doing, know yeah okay so then yeah he's he's got all the tools I guess. I think he's a better wrestling announcer straightforward you know just overall oh, yeah. than King is. I he, just think definitely. he's better. I mean he doesn't talk about Bitters Arkansas or anything <laughs> like that. So he he was over the top. Joey yeah. Styles could be, but so was Jerry Lawler. Right, obviously, especially during certain eras. But you know, Jerry Lawler only knew over the top. That's one of the things. Yeah, until he got older and he was over the hill. And then yeah. he was just kind of like, wait, does that mean this over there? Look at oh, that. When he became uh, Uncle yeah, Jerry. Yeah. What, yeah. Look at that. I wow. always just consider that a, a character change. It's not, it's not a like... Steeped in real shit. life, though, yeah. I think, Quinn. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's clear they're telling him to ask those questions. Yeah. I know. yeah. Joey Styles was the voice of a promotion. Right. The King, I don't think... the Like I think we said last week... The main thrust of King's legacy as an announcer to me are those few years with JR in the Attitude Era, 97 to 2000 ish, right. mm-hmm. 01. That's when he was really at his best, I'd say. Yeah, it was the perfect balance. But I think even so, JR is more remembered from that era as as far as the yeah. announce desk, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's also, JR is also remembered for his friendship with the King. True, the like partnership. That, their partnership. They, I mean, they be, kind of became like a friendly duo after a bit, right? They did after two thousand. Yeah, they were. They were like they became begrudging respect to like friends to outright like best friends. You to, know, to as the time point went where on. like there was a feud where like King saved Jr. Yes, like, remember that? Yeah, uh, but I think as good as Lawler had moments and stuff like that, I think Joey Styles is consistently better. Yeah, and Joey Styles also like. There's something more memorable about him because he was associated with one promotion. He's almost like a legend in a weird way because of the fact that he's associated with a like a cult legend promotion. That's true. I mean, he really was the voice of ECW. Right. And ECW, as the years go by and we get further and further away from there being anything ECW, the more this promotion becomes the stuff of legends and the stuff of, you know, it's it's. It's it's big in people's minds. Right. And Joey Styles is like he is ECW. If if like huge if part of it, yeah. ECW, Joey's a big part of ECW. Absolutely, like, Quinn. Just as big as even some of the wrestlers. Now, one of the things we talked about last week was legacy and uh, influence. Do you think anyone is trying to ever imitate Joey Styles. I mean, I think in this day and age, WWF, you can't because there's a three-man team for everything. Well, I would say anytime anybody has a boisterous, oh my God, reaction to something. Really? In fact, WWF went on to, to they, made, they made a whole videotape called, oh my God. Videotape? Well, you know, DVD or whatever. Oh, they man. made a whole DVD called, oh my God, and it was like people jumping off ladders and stuff. But like, again, my point is, is that riveting the <laughs> fact that 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 catchphrase is associated with something hardcore happening. Right. That's saying something about Joey Styles is that people in their minds, when something ridiculous would happen, they would it would it rings. It, sometimes it rings in my ears to this day. I think, oh, my God, like yeah, that right, Joey right. Styles, that bo- that was his. That was his big catchphrase, was that, that oh my god. Do you think he stole it from Troll 2? <laughs> no. <laughs> they're eating her. And then they're going to eat me. Oh my god! Now, another... I think, th- honestly, it was it was an honest reaction, and I think it, it felt earnest. Hey, Burn. That's why it became such a big 
thing. And then know? he parlayed that into yeah. a catchphrase. Right, exactly. Possible. He also used to, to yell cat fight, yeah, which King stole King from him. That, yeah. So maybe on the influence side, there's see Joey Styles with some influence on the King to himself. Fair, there wasn't any cat fights for King to say cat fight to. Prior until, to 98. Until, you know, yeah. That's a fair point. I just think overall, I think Joey Styles is a better wrestling announcer personality than Jerry Lawler. Okay, so number one, Joey Styles. Yeah, I think it's time to actually shift the two gentlemen down. Wow, Joey Styles is the best commentator ever. Hey, I'm very proud of him. Ever. You know, (laughs) that's crazy. He did a very good job. Now, what about, let's Mm -hmm. see how long this lasts here, because what about Iron Mike Tanay, the professor himself? Hmm. Where's an entry point? Is he better than Bob Cottle? Um, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Bob Cottle is, you know, like I'm not a big like Cottle supporter, but um, you don't you Coddle know, Coddle. I, I like him on Smoky Mountain a lot. Um, I think he's good in NWA also. And the thing with Cottle is that I can't say is like he's a decent lead announcer. Although I don't really remember much of him calling moves. He did do it. But sometimes he was a color guy. It just depended. Right, like yeah. when he was with Gordon, he was a color guy. Right. So he's still weird thing. Cottle. I love his voice. Hi there, wrestling fans. You know, it's I, very it, good voice. It's so very welcoming. I don't. I Tanae really think sounds it, like cheese. <laughs> yeah. Like if cheese could talk, it here, would be Mike Tanae. Here's the thing with Tanae. Yeah, you know, Tony. I really. I can't say enough how much, like, respect I have for him being, like, the first, like, knowledgeable guy. Like, that was kind of like, the, he was the first guy where they really emphasized, like, this guy knows wrestling around the world, internationally. He knows moves that you might have never seen, and he knows the names to them, and he's going to tell teach you about it. He knows and the I, story behind them. Yeah, he knows the story. He knows who they started with. Like, he would name, like... Mexican wrestlers that I had never heard of in my life right. up to that point. You right. Know? Sure. Sure. Like, I didn't know shit about Mil Masqueras or anything I don't like want that. To. Like, but my point he is, stinks. My point is, is that I learned about this stuff from from Mike, Mike today, and there's something to be said about that. I think. So he's basically the wrestling observer version of an announcer. He's the Dave Meltzer of announcers. I'm not saying that derogatorily. I don't think it's a derogatory thing. That's I think, what I mean. And I think it was a necessary thing, especially in the '90s when a, it was the first time. When they really went like full board with the international guys was the nineties. Ninety five like, start, yes. Like for years they'd always brought them in. They were kind of a joke, but mm-hmm. or they'd be like a weird attraction where the dynamite kid would fight Tiger, Tiger Mask. Mask like, yes. But it would never like last more than a day or whatever. Or if you're Vince, you're bringing in heavy metal. Yeah, heavy metal Hector and Garza. all that shit. But even that was after <laughs> was Tanae existed. That was poor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like it's hard because Coddle is so He's very memorable. And he's of his time, he, though, as well. But he's of his time. But is it one of those situations where Tanae was like kind of like an evolution in a, in, a, in a weird way of like... He was... It was inserting the more knowledgeable wrestling fan. This was something wrestling fans wanted back then, too. They did want, they? I think they did, because I think there was this... It was a... During that time, there was a lot of like, we don't want our intelligence insulted anymore. That was a big thing thrown around. In fact, Vince said it. We don't think you deserve to have your intelligence. Good guy. Bad guy. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like, this was a prevailing thought. It's like, we want to be treated like smart wrestling fans. Like Joe Negron. Right, yeah. But WWF never had an equivalent of a Mike Tanay during the, during, like, simultaneous to Mike Tanay being in a WCW. In my opinion, I think the WWF probably thought JR was that. Because JR did know, you know, a bit. He, he knew more than the average commentator, I'd say. He did. 
for he probably knew more than most com- WWF commentators ever did. Than probably all of them yeah. at that time, especially right. like more than Colin. Well, yeah. Kevin Kelly could have been the mic tonight if Kevin Kelly had been any good in the early I will in the nineties. Jr. probably understood, um, especially the new international flair that was coming into the, the business better than say a Gorilla Monsoon. Oh hell yeah! But Jr. also understood the classical end of the business like Gorilla Monsoon did. Absolutely. And so like maybe they felt like Jr. He was had like, it covered. It, it, he had it covered because he had seen all that that international stuff over in um. WCW. Sure, and, and, and he's a student of the game. I mean, yeah. he loved wrestling. Right, so I guess they just felt they didn't need someone like Tanay, and that's probably why he never got hired, because JR was kind of like he filled the void that Mike Tanay was filling in WCW. I guess so, and it might have just been because Tanay is one ugly looking motherfucker, but anyway, but back to... <laughs> JR isn't no prize either, so don't... don't <laughs> back to, <laughs> to Tanay and Caudle here. Bobby Caudle, the problem is he didn't he, have as much he exposure. He just is what he was. He's yeah. great, though. Yeah. He really is good. He's, he's a nice guy, and I like him to a certain extent. I I, I joke when I, you know, it, it's mostly just because, like, he really, he's not that big of a deal. Like, on, in the end, like, that's the best I can say. He's not, he's not that big of a deal. Well, let me ask you a question, Quinn. Tanae versus King. Tanae is not better than King. No? No. King offered, Whoa. like, here's the thing. The thing with King Whoa. that I will say is there's a time and a place for Mike Tanae, but King, in a weird way, feels uh, timeless because oh he's just God. so funny and goofy. and enter- He's entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, entertainment <sighs> never goes out of style. The concept yeah, doesn't, but no, forms but you, of it I'm do. I'm saying wanting to be entertained when you're watching wrestling never goes out of style. True, but there are people that do it better than King. The thing I'm going to say, though, is nowadays when somebody tries to pull a Tanae bullshit where they're like, they're like, oh, that's the uh, this and that from Wikipedia. We yell at the, them to get off yeah, Wikipedia. Like right. JBL all throughout the early right. part of this decade. JBL thought he could be Mike Tanay or something. He, like, <laughs> I mean, isn't that weird? But it's, JBL can but, barely be JBL. Think about that. That's what he was going for. It was like, I know the history because oh, I read Wikipedia. Folks, if you ever want to torture yourself, watch any Royal Rumble from the like 2013 oh to 16 Every, with JBL on oh, commentary. That's the longest ever since. And yeah, back in Marty Jannetty was the yeah. one in there, Maggle. Yeah. Uh, just the worst. Like, the worst. Worst. Yeah. So I guess statistically it's a, speaking. Okay. So that that said, I think that's a point in today's favor that he was able to pull it off without being annoying. Right. His voice is annoying to me, but again, that's that's me. I don't know if you right. guys like his voice or not, but yeah. I I don't like his voice. Yeah. But you don't think he's better than than Jerry Lawler? Jerry Lawler? I like. King. Oh God! This is far- you. This is me putting Bret Hart above the Rock last season. Hear, no, no, no. Let's hear me out. Tanae, the problem with Tanae, as much as I like him, yeah, is he's not entertaining in any way at all. <laughs> he, he, he's purely there to offer information, right? True. King, on the other hand, I have seen him both talk about you know veterans and understanding the past and. Offering actual analysis and insight, but yes. Mixing it in with puppies, Jr. Mm. and like just being generally silly and goofy. <sighs> Listen, I never thought I'd be seeing the day where I'm fighting for Mike Tanay to have a higher spot. I'll give you this. I, I, th- I think it's I think it's like a perfectly okay. Three, yeah, yeah I, I really think like under King is is like right about it because King is like 
The thing with King is like people will just always remember him. He was there forever. And yeah, the crown. <laughs> I, I I think it's a little silly to put Tanay above King. Like, well, because remember, folks, in much the same way last season, where when we were doing champions, we weren't yeah. just talking about technical wrestling ability. Right. We it was more holistic. Same thing here. This isn't a, just about technical announcing ability. Right. It's a mix of memorability, influence, uh, entertainment value, technical ability, all of that. I think Jerry Lawler will be moved down further and further as of we get more people will, in but here. I, I think at this point in time, I think King then Tanae. I think that's that's okay. Now, you're okay with that always being set in stone. Jerry Lawler will always be above Mike Tanae no hey, matter what. I'm fine. That, that to me is fine. I, you, I'm really okay with that. You don't think that Tanae's a stint as T- TNA's lead announcer. That's where he fell on his face was when he had to try to be entertaining. <laughs> I mean, instead of just being analysis right. and information. I mean, that, that that is what happened. Okay, you're right, Quinn. I think it's a close call here, for the record. But King, King holding on to a respectable spot here. Let me put it this way. Yes. In the review coming up, you will see <laughs> why it's not a good idea to have Tanae try to do skits or like be funny That's or something. True. So you know what, Quint? Great point. Okay. So we'll finalize it there. Mike Tanae to number three. Yeah. Bob Coddle down now to number four. Unfortunately, I I'm the more I'm thinking about Coddle, I like him a lot, but Tanae did offer something new. He and added Coddle something. was just kind of like status quo even of his time like yeah. it was just like, yeah he's like a nice warm quilt you know <laughs> he's good he's serviceable he's yeah. he's very pleasant easy to listen to yeah but that's about it yeah whereas tonight at least introduced a new generation to some wrestlers that no one had ever he, fucking heard he of introduced a new style like that yeah. that that really in-depth analysis style okay that's fair yeah. enough quinn so we'll finalize it there folks as of week two here are your rankings at number one, the greatest wrestling announcer of all time, Quinn. It's Joey Styles. Holy shit. Congratulations, Joey Styles. Very good. At number two, still holding pretty respectably here, Jerry the King Waller. Hey, the King? He's still close to being the King. Yep, he's still close. He's like the Queen now. <laughs> At number three, I can't believe it, Mike Tanay. Mike Tanay actually above somebody. Top three material. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, top three is really respect. Very. And at number four, everyone's favorite grandfatherly announcer, Bob Cottle. Bobby the Cottle. Four? Someone has to be there. Hey, I never thought in my day I'd see Bob Cottle, the fourth rate announcer. That's Rushmore, right? I mean, that's a Rushmore right there. (laughs) So, folks, that is Royal Rankings Week 2. Be sure to let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or let us know on the group. But, Quinn, like you alluded to, when we come back, we're going to get to see Mike today be very unentertaining and that is coming up right after this on july 3rd wrestling returns to the national municipal auditorium with tna total non-stop action all seats are only ten dollars see superstars in action including the one and only scott hall former world champion jeff garrett the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Hardcore Midget Mayhem. Plus the TNA Girls live at the National Municipal Auditorium. Wednesday, July 3rd. All seats only $10. Can you believe it? $10. TNA Wednesdays will never be the same. And now, back to our vantage point. The Retro Wrestling Podcast. 
And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 112, here on Monday, January 7th, 2019. Quinn, before we review something, I want to remind everyone out there that there are other wrestling podcasts, and they are not hosted by Conrad Thompson or people wearing blazers. Yeah, believe it or not, that's that's a real thing. It's an accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, And there's three that we particularly like that we're friends with, and we want to shout them out for you. We will start with the wrestling podcast about nothing. That is WPAN. It comes out every Monday, so give it a listen right after us. And it's hosted by two guys, Quim, that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them's the Wine City Whaler. One of them is an actual wrestler. Yes, Brian Malone is the Wine City Whaler. Believe it or not, he's real. He's, he's a real, real wrestler who whales his way through wrestling. Yep, Ring of Honor, particularly. Yeah, he, uh, he's on that. And yeah. uh, Malone's partner is another big guy. He is a, uh, a big daddy, actually. He alleges that he's an independent wrestling referee that is on an extended hiatus. But, Quinn, I it's mean... It's clearly a retirement. He's retired. Yeah. And his name is Mike Crockett. Mean Mike Crockett. The meanest of the Mike's, Quinn. The biggest of the daddies. The biggest yeah. of the daddies. So these guys take their perspective as people that have worked in the wrestling industry, and they bring that to their show. They are fans as well of retro wrestling, so they mix everything together. It's a really good show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing on Mondays. And on Thursdays, be sure. Don't miss. Catch the critically acclaimed yes. readings from Allentown, Quinn. It is hosted by one man. Not two. There's just one of him. How could there be more than one? It's Petey Winston, Quinn. Little baby Petey. Yes. The, the king of the babies. The king of the babies, the king of the podcast. What he does is he takes an old episode of a wrestling show. It could be WF, mm-hmm. it could be WCW, it could be a territory and as he reviews this, he talks about pretty much anything else but the wrestling. Yes. It's very it's yeah. very interesting. So check out Creedings from Allentown. It's a really unique, quirky, fun retro wrestling show. We really like it, so we think you will too. And also check out our Southern Fried Brethren That's right. If you like your retro wrestling with a side of moonshine, check out Mike Mills and book in the territory. This is where they go south of that Mason-Dixon line, Mm -hmm. and they review. They do two shows, actually. They do the Smoky Mountain. That's right, with Bob Cottle. Yeah, Bobby the Cottle. (laughs) You need more Bob Cottle. Check out book in the territory. And they also do the NWA Crockett era, you know, the mid-'80s with Shabani and David Crockett. the good era? Yeah, the good era. That's book in the territory with Mike Mills. Great show. So check out our three friends of the show, the other podcasts, the retro wrestling podcasts that are not hosted by Conrad Thompson. Yeah, I usually eat my grits while I listen to that podcast. I've never actually seen a grit before. Yeah, well, it's it's gritty. <laughs> it's very gritty. Uh, Quinn, speaking of gritty, we're reviewing something. Oh, yes, we are. It's a... Uh... Wow. Okay. Now, folks, WCW, you might have heard of it. It was mm-hmm. the the, uh, the other big wrestling federation in the 90s, 2000s. Yeah, it stands for World Championship Wrestling. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, by this point, it had been... Uh, on its way out. You know, yeah. it was very not doing not doing so good there. Yeah, no shit. WCW had been purchased by WWF and Vince McMahon one day before the show aired. Right. Now this is <laughs> But this was not known to everyone. No, no. Yeah. This is WCW Worldwide from March twenty fourth, two thousand one. Now at this point was this was the longest running program WCW had, right? That is correct. Now, it had begun in 1975, Worldwide did, as Wide World Wrestling, which they then flipped to Worldwide Wrestling, and eventually WCW Worldwide became the name of it. Also known as WWW. Remember that stupid logo? Yeah, WWW. so confusing to me. Worldwide Wrestling. Yeah. Now, this show, from its inception until uh, the early 90s, 
was a show where you'd actually see wrestling matches. Yeah, I mean, usually a wrestling show yeah, has wrestling, wrestling matches. It, yeah. a novel idea, right? But, I mean, that idea started to Fizzled fade away out. like WCW was saying. <laughs> yes. You know the meme? that Have you seen this meme now where it shows, like, a guy's face, like, speckling away, like, digitally? Yes, of course I like, have. Like, the fade-away meme? That's I'm like, hip. That's, like, what this show feels like. It Seriously. feels like, the, like you should start seeing in the corners of the video like it fading away. It's like Back to the Future with the picture. Yeah. yeah. The foot Where starts his head, disappearing. His head comes off. Not like Carrie. The brother. Yeah, the brother. The uh, Disney shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, by 2001, Worldwide had since been pretty much a recap program for the last several years because during the height of the Monday Night Wars, the only show that really fucking mattered was Nitro. Thunder a little... Yeah, I mean, Thunder's things happened on it. No, a little bit. Saturday Night had become a recap show. Pro had become a recap show. Main Event had become a recap show before it was taken off the air. So the last bastion here of all this old syndicated shit was worldwide. It was still freaking on. Yeah, it's kind of unbelievable considering, like, Saturday Night's even gone. Saturday Night was gone. Main Event was gone. Pro, I don't even think was on anymore. This is it. This is the last hope of the syndicated programming. (laughs) It's holding strong. I don't know who the hell was watching it by 2001. What's weird is it's syndicated, which is strange for a Turner thing that it's not, you know, on a Turner network. No, no, it wasn't on TBS or TNT. Never was. If Nitro was having a hard time pulling in viewers by March of 2001, I can only imagine (laughs) how many hundreds of people watched this. (laughs) Maybe seven people watched this. I don't know. I certainly didn't. What even time did this come on, do you think? Honestly, I I have no idea. If I had to guess, it was like three in the afternoon on a Saturday. (laughs) Maybe, right? Nobody's watching TV Nobody's watching. Now, the thing about WCW, just as a quick refresher, like I mentioned, it was purchased by WWF the day before this. Right. And would air its final Nitro two days after this. Right. So, so this is no man's land, Quinn. <laughs> we're, we're in uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to say that this is not the <laughs> Holy Grail episode. No, no, no. Now, you may know in collector circles about this. Yep. Um, or collector's uh, rhombuses. Right. There exists, apparently, an episode <laughs> of Worldwide. But just like that meme I described where it's fading away and like it, it, you can only... That's pretty much... The only thing that's left of that show known to man is some really shitty oh my God, footage yeah. of the last three minutes of them like sadly saying goodbye. <laughs> yes. WCW gone, worldwide gone. We want to thank you for joining us each and every week here on WCW Worldwide. What a great crew we've had. It's been a lot of fun taping these shows, and you can see we have a really good time. For Mike today, I'm Scott Hudson. We'll see you down the road somewhere else. Thanks for watching Worldwide. Like, you can barely hear it. You can barely see it. It's almost like a metaphor for, like, what's left of WCW. That is true. And if anyone out there can ever track down the April 1st, 2001 WCW Worldwide, please send it our way. it's actually the last thing, I think, that WCW, independently of WWF, ever produced. Correct. Um, I mean, they are acknowledging in this show that it's over. Yep. They sign off it's like sad. It's sad. Like they're like they're like we don't know when we're gonna see you again. This might be it. Like uh, it funny. is a really weird show that nobody has ever seen since it aired. Yep. Um, and nobody can find it. It is the holy grail of WCW. Now, also just on another aside, there is technically something that aired a couple months later, but it was like a one of those like WCW classic things. Yes. Like, you know, WWF did the like pay per views mm-hmm. where it was like. 
to some old matches. Yes, of course. They did something where it was hosted by Flair and, and Dusty, Dusty, but like in it was May. it was filmed like way before. Yeah, it just so aired it, later. Yeah, it wasn't anything that was filmed after. So like this was their last new programming, right? Not, they- <laughs> not this show, but the show yeah, after this. Right. That show that they say we'll see next see you next week on at the end of yeah. It. So this is the penultimate episode of Worldwide, the week before the last one, March twenty fourth, two thousand one. Quinn, let's get to it. First question I have to ask you is why are we doing this? <laughs> well, <laughs> this was because, your idea. Well, it's my idea because. There's a weird understanding or tone to this episode <laughs> that, like, I just, I can just feel the out of business on their breath. Like, it's like, like it, it, there is so much nothing on this. There's, yeah, it's like, hopeless. It's a very hopeless <laughs> feeling very, episode. It's so weird. It's like being sucked into the void with WCW <laughs> yes. and you're like trying to get out, you know? Now, we mentioned this is syndicated. This uh, particular airing is proudly on NY55 on Long right. Island. Up next is the Rosie O'Donnell Show on New York 55. Not at all like WCW no, territory. Just some random, you know, local New York station. Now, Quinn, we open with a futuristic <laughs> espionage control room do intro. They, do they really need this much tech to broadcast an episode of wrestling? Like, he's got like a spinny chair and like laptops and computing duties and all sorts of bullshit. And like, they're like, do, do, do. Oh, no, there's the program. Worldwide's on. Like, I mean, what are they doing? And. They keep going on and on about all the technology. <laughs> oh in this my god! Episode. Yeah, like, it's bad. Also, when this worldwide logo stinks, I, it's green. Honestly, it's it, green. Honestly, it just looks like the new WCW logo, except saying worldwide. Like I don't know how else to describe it. It's like weirdly curved and like long. It looks like a tennis racket company designed <laughs> yeah. it. We are hosted by Scott Hudson and Mike Tenay. Speaking of him, welcome to WCW Worldwide. Scott Hudson and the Professor. Iron Mike today. In a really weird control center you mentioned. Very weird. Later on, I describe it as having a Nintendo 64 vibe. <laughs> yes, very like, much so. I feel like so, there should be like a slight humming of a dig, 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 dig in the background. The Surge commercial. I don't yeah. know. It's like one of those weird feels. Now, Scott Hudson Quinn had been with WCW for a little bit by this point. I never minded him. Me either. And Good voice. I actually like always just kind of felt bad for him yeah. because like he's the one guy a lot of people don't remember this, but he appeared on WWF TV to. Yes. He was the announcer for the Buff Bagwell match against that, Booker T. That like failed miserably yes. or something. With Arn Anderson, I think, was his color commentator. I don't remember. I think it was, yeah, was sure. Arn. Welcome back to Raw. Scott Hudson and Double A Arn Anderson and Double A WCW is back in business. And in a big way. Are you kidding me? That whole thing. I Just to touch on that, why, like, that always felt like. They didn't give that enough at all. Of like, a chance? Yeah. I don't know why they, they It's did like it. they just put it on there wanting it to fail. Maybe they did. Like, it was bad. More on Hudson and today as we go on. Uh, we get a mention of WCW.com. Yeah, that, that's a hot website in 2001. Yeah, this, I think WWF actually owns it. I think if you go to oh, that, it do. goes to the WCW page that WWE yeah. owns right Oh, they now. own it. Yeah. I own WCW. And Quinn, the new WCW magazine is out, so that's got to be a good issue, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's so <laughs> hot and hot. Look, all this stuff happening in this out-of-business company. This show is like watching a ghost. Like, knowing that it's the second-last yeah. episode, like, it's weird. It, it's really weird, folks. And It, it feels like... I, all I keep thinking about is the meme of the guy fading away. Like, yep. that's like what this show is. Just a whole surreal feel to this. So, Scott Hudson says, Quinn, that they went through the expense of getting a satellite hookup for this big interview with... Again, 
Hugh Morris. Yes. <laughs> Hugh Morris. Again, with the fucking tech. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, they are so proud of this satellite, which is clearly just like a pre-recorded video <laughs> like they do. Like, you know, when like Brett was yelling at Austin, your stones are so cold yes, and yes. it wasn't live or whatever. <laughs> right. Like, it's like that shit. I like, know. it's awful. Now, uh, today talks about how a young lady recently returned on Nitro and Hudson makes a weird joke. He jokes that it was fabulous moolah. The return of a young lady who we hadn't seen in several months. Moolah was it Nitro? No, Moolah wasn't at Nitro, and she's not young. Are they allowed to say her name on this? Why not? Are they? Vince owns it at this point. Oh, true. They're the same company, so yeah. I own WCW. Fair enough. But uh, no, Quinn, it was not Moolah. It was Stacey Keebler. So we clip back to Nitro. We see clips of Stacey Keebler entering on Nitro, wearing like a maternity dress, Mm. pushing a stroller to the ring. This is very WCW. <laughs> it, it, it is weird seeing like Stacy acting this out. Like, and it's so clearly like poorly it's written. It's just horrible. They man. gave her the script like five minutes before and Absolutely. she's just kind of winging it. I always thought she, she seemed like a nice girl. Nice I, gal. Yeah. Like, there was something like wholesome about Stacy Keebler. No? I, well, you had the hots for Miss Hancock, didn't yeah, you? Back then. I remember that, Michael. There was something about her that wasn't like the usual like trashy wrestling girl, even though they like tried to act like she was trashy. Like, she was more classy. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was about her. It just She just didn't seem like crappy or something. Good looking lady, too. Yeah. So she's got her baby stroller. She's in the ring now. She introduces her newest baby. What is this? It is Sean Stasiak oh! to, to Mr. Perfect's theme. Yeah, the horrible thing. Meat comes out to Mr. Perfect's theme. <laughs> Terrible. So he gets in the ring. He uh, Meat. Sean yeah. Stasiak. The meat. <laughs> the meat. Mr. Meat. <laughs> he does a pose down to stripper music while she's dancing like Sable. So this was Stacy's gimmick back then. I remember this. Yeah. Uh, this this music would only come on when Stacy would dance. Like, uh-huh-huh. It's bram, horrible. Bram, bram, I mean, it really is. Like, there's no value to this. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you know what was weird about it is, so, Stacy rips off the maternity dress, mm-hmm. but she just has, like, another dress on. She's not even, like... It's like a cocktail dress or something, Yeah, right? like, you would think, oh, she'll be in her broad panties or something. Is that what you wanted? Well, it's not what I wanted as much as just <laughs> what the logical thing is. Like, somebody rips off clothes, they don't reveal another pair of clothes like they reveal their underwear like <laughs> right. that's just how this works so they're defying logic right, right. here it just doesn't make sense well, yeah normal that maternity dress looked like an undershirt for a man or <laughs> yeah, something like did. what the fuck was that the announcers have to actually react to this whole thing yeah. like it matters Stacy comes out with, with, with the carriage it says her baby has bought her so many things and then Stasiak Meat retrieves the baby from the carriage, which is really a bunch of 8x10 glossy prints of himself. Now, I just want to remember, the company was sold the day before this aired, so this is what we're dealing with. I own WCW. He throws a bunch of the pictures to the audience because I guess they were out of toilet paper in this arena. This is horrible. This segment, holy shit, it's bad. (laughs) Why is this on TV? Why is this happening? Like, this is the big introduction to Meat, and he's like entering a dead company. And he is, he's probably a good guy, I guess, but he is a doctor. He had Dr. Sean Stasiak. Yeah. He is a heat vacuum. Like, just there's no charisma there. He's <laughs> nope, so cares. boring. Yeah. So anyway, back to the uh, the worldwide desk here, as these guys also have to sell this as something that remotely matters. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, oh, he's back, you know? And Tanae mentions that Sean's father was a world heavyweight champion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for nine days. And at his new employer's federation, might I add. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, not, not, not even in this company. No. Yeah. I own 
WCW. So when we come back, Quinn, that exciting satellite hookup interview with Hugh Morris. But first, a trivia question is on the screen. What was Hugh Morris called when he wrestled in Japan? Uh, my answer is a jobber. A fat piece of crap. <laughs> so uh, we're back. It's time for this very expensive interview. Yeah, this is way too expensive for a company that <laughs> sold. Yeah, it's sold. <laughs> so I guess it's not WWF this? dime the satellite. <laughs> so we see Hugh Morris, who has a nice tie-dyed shirt on in his little satellite room there. And uh, you were saying, Quinn, you like how he's all mad that they're doing yeah, this by so satellite. They, I don't know why he is mad because they're way too happy about it right so like is he like is this rude to him i think it's like, rude right like, like they didn't want to talk to him in person but listen there's not a lot of money left they can't <laughs> fly him out they can't that's drive. true they, well maybe they could get like a toyota to pick him up from the hotel because the like a camry at least the hotel can't be that far from the studio right do they have hotel motel the motel right <laughs> the motor lodge God, they got no money it's so <laughs> It's, it's poor. Tanae tells Hugh that so many people want to know about his wrestling background. No, 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 they don't. Well, well, Mike, great question. But you being the professor of all people should have known how I got into it. He's talking like a fuck too, is Hugh it? Morris. He's like, he is, his so, cadence is really weird here. I, I'm really trying very hard to understand what's going on here. First of all, is he heel or is he face? Because they're talking like he's a face, but he's acting like a heel. He's acting like a jerk, yes. Right. But faces were jerks in 2001. Is this supposed to also be like real time with Hugh Morris like here? Like breaking kayfabe? I think like, so. It's a little bit of both, though. It is it's a little so of both. It's so confusing. That's WCW, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Hugh explains how he got into wrestling after college. He didn't know anything about it. This yeah. is just awful. He was uh, a couch potato, so his dad made him become an athlete and brought him to Brooklyn, where he met Johnny Rods. How could he suck so much <laughs> if Johnny Rods trained him? Like... It's really upsetting. <laughs> That's actually like, a good point. He's like besmirching Johnny Rods. We know Johnny Rods on this show. He's excellent. I don't want to associate Hugh Morris with Johnny Rods ever. To give Hugh Morris some credit, he could do a moonsault. Wonderful. <laughs> Remember, it's in the shape of a question mark or whatever. <laughs> don't like, bring that yeah, up. That, that's what Mike Tanay said yeah, on true. Saturday night. He was like, "Oh, it's a <laughs> see. If you look close, it's the shape of a question mark. The man of question. Horrible. Like, uh, Scott brings up Hugh's past as Crash the Terminator. Hugh Morris wants to clarify that he was not Jason the Terrible, right? You were saying there was yeah. some fat guy from New Jersey or yeah, something like that. that. That's, Hugh says that, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. He is terrible, just not yeah. Jason. So anyway, today brings up Hugh's Dungeon of Doom stint. How are we... How are we talking about that? <laughs> that what like, the fuck is that this? That was like five years ago. Yeah. Why are they even bringing yeah. that up? Yeah. So anyway, he was originally known as the Man of Question. They show a clip of that, which finally explains for me all the question marks that are on his yes, uniform. and how he jumped in a question mark shape. <laughs> right. Now, uh, Hugh Morris explains that it actually is supposed to be pronounced humorous. Yeah, no shit. Which I'll give credit. Tony Schiavone did always say it that way. Yeah. Tony Schiavone always said humorous. Yeah, he, he was like the only one. That- it was like written off or something later because yeah. nobody could ever say it right. <laughs> it's not Hugh Morris, actually. It's humorous. Scott heads Hudson here with a very hard-hitting question. Do you prefer singles, hardcore, or tag team competition? What a journalist. Why is this happening still? <laughs> this is long, folks. The answer is, uh, well, he likes bats, and he likes nails, and he likes wrestling. He likes singles, and he likes tags. This is just riveting. I hate this. <laughs> I hate it. Tanae calls Hugh unpredictable, which is just an out-and-out slap in the face to yeah, Johnny Rods. Stop it. <laughs> just yeah. stop it. He's not Johnny Rods. <laughs> But we find that his favorite match, Quinn, it was when he beat a fat country singer named Chad Brock. What the fuck are we talking about? I'm serious. And they, like, show a clip of Chad Brock 
Unlike Shitty Nitro, the one with the bad logo. <laughs> like, why does this exist? Oh know. my god. This was so horrible, Joe. So Tanae asks you if he has any aspirations to become WCW World Champion, which seriously, not if uh, Vince has anything to say about yeah. it. I wouldn't say that much. I own WCW. Uh, his biggest problem, though, is that the announcers keep saying that he's over 300 pounds, but he's really 290, he promises. This is painful. So Hugh says he does all this for the fans. It's all about the fans. And oh, I think. Wait, I thought he's a heel. I'm not. What the fuck? I don't know. And why is this still going? And now they're, now they're getting detailed. Now they're talking about his moonsault, and yeah. he's saying how he did the moonsault as a dare to be able to still wrestle in Japan. A match. Mike Tanay brings up Hugh Morris's art scholarship. Why is this so long? <laughs> this is like half the show. <laughs> and Scott Hudson asks him why he doesn't doodle like Lash what? LaRue. What? <laughs> and then he say, Hugh says that he's good at Chinese checkers. Oh Tanay continues to cast doubts on Hugh Morris's weight. Joe, we're 16 minutes in it. Zero wrestling on the show. <laughs> Zero. And then Hugh blows him a raspberry like he's Archie Bunker. He's like... 290? Yeah. Next, ti- next time you get on the scale, Hugh, why don't you use both feet? This guy weighed 290 at birth. Oh, come on. Hugh Morris, we- I apologize for... <laughs> Scott Hudson chimes in that he himself weighs 215 pounds. <sighs> they're trying with this banter like they're gorilla in brain, arguing about weight. It's so bad. It's all bad. <laughs> Just get it out of here. This, what is this, like, shitty prime time? Like, I don't get what this is. Well, with that, Quinn, it is time now that this interview is over for Ask WCW. Why? <laughs> now, this question is for Sean O'Hare. Why? <laughs> yeah, who the hell has Sean O'Hare anything? Uh, I like, Quinn, that they showed, like, the laptop with, like, web browser was, like, yeah. Netscape 4 do, or do, something. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Computers, look at how advanced we are wrestling. <sighs> So this question is from Christina Lara, and she wants to know if Sean O'Hare would have stayed a kickboxer had he not become a wrestler, and also, would he want to write comic books for a living? What in the actual fuck is this show? (laughs) I'm serious right now. I'm serious! (laughs) Sean's answer is that there's too many rules in kickboxing, but he does like UFC, but there's no money in it because it's illegal. I I thought this was kind of funny, just thinking about this in 2018. There's a lot of money in it, and it is legal. But it is funny in hindsight, right? In 2019. Both those statements are horribly inaccurate. (laughs) Right. It's like like people talking in, like, the 20s about how, like, football is profitable. (laughs) It's like people talking in the 20s about how Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Sean O'Hare, no, he would not want to write any comics. Where is the wrestling on this show, Joe? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, Do they like, have wrestlers anymore? <laughs> like, I, how much? I said sixteen minutes. It must be eighteen minutes. Mind you, this is a thirty-three minute long yeah video program, or whatever video program. It's very short. There is no wrestling yet. Yeah, none. So Scott Hudson says that now since we answered Christina's question, she gets a free shitty T-shirt with the Worldwide logo on it. So I just want to mention. They had WCW Worldwide shirt. They like barely had a show, and it's, they have it's shirts. Horrible. So Tanae commends Christina Quinn on her punctuation, and he bitches about these other wrestling fans that can't spell. Hold the phone here. This whole rant, right, about yes. the, the spelling. He goes on and on about people don't know how to spell anymore, and right. everyone's stupid and all this. <laughs> is Tanae heel? Like, what the hell? He is bitchy in this, right? He was bitchy with uh Yeah, but Hudson's like very facey. Well, Hudson's but not a again, heel. He wasn't facey with Hugh Morris, but Hugh Morris is acting like a heel, but he's a face. It, nothing what makes sense. What the fuck is going on? I don't like, know. Who, what is what? Who's with who? Like, I don't understand. I own 
WCW. Well, Hudson never leaned heel, did he? Was he pretty much a neutral? He was really assy to Hugh Morris, who was a face, though. Today was, too, though. Today was a big yeah. jerk to Hugh Morris, also. Humorous, I, Quinn. Yeah. Humorous. Humorous. Don't say humorous. Yeah. Next, Scott Hudson talks about how great the cruiserweight division is, and it's time for the latest entrant, Quinn. It is Jason Jett. Who? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> who? <laughs> I, I don't know who that... Like, I think I know later, but then I'm, I don't think that's him, but okay. He, he was easy money in ECW right before this, remember? Easy money? No. <laughs> exactly. Well, did he do anything after WCW? Uh, no. Okay. So today gives credit to the talent acquisition department, which department is probably yeah. being very generous. It's a guy <laughs> for getting all these new people like Kid Romeo, right? And AJ yeah. Styles. Okay, that is. We're really in bizarro world. Yes, first we of all. are. We are in an era where Vince owns this company, but this show is still on, and AJ Styles is a thing? Yeah, he was briefly in WCW. But there's no TNA yet. There's no TNA next year. Weird. Vince didn't pick up AJ Styles, I guess. Which, I again... I mean, we've talked, we've heard about this. WWF always likes to, like, nudge it themselves or something. Like, they think it's so funny that, oh, look how dumb we were. We didn't pick up AJ Styles. They're not funny. Yeah. They didn't pick up Brian Danielson either, right? Didn't he try? They they missed everyone. They they had Samoa Joe try out, and they were like, he sucks. Like, (laughs) Like, like, they missed everything. They missed a lot of guys. Because they were so focused on Luther Reigns and shit like that at the time that they just Rodney Mack. Yeah, like, that's the future, man. Rob Conway. Yeah. All right. We throw the clips of Thunder. Yes, that was still on. Where Jason (laughs) Jett, who looks like a line cook at IHOP, he faces a bald Alex Wright. Do you remember bald Alex Wright? Yes. You do? So, at the very end, right, they ditched the Berlin thing, but he well, was that still I remember. he was still bald, and they just he came out to the Alex Wright music, the like from nineteen ninety five, yeah, and it was weird. Das Wunderkind music. What's weird is he still had like black pants on. He, he didn't like dress like he used to. No, no, no. He still dressed like Berlin, but like he was regular Alex Wright. Berlin had a mohawk though, didn't he? Like a, a straight strip um, of mohawk. And eventually, like... was just bald. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. So Tony Schiavone, for the record, was still doing Thunder Two in two thousand one, which I could not believe to hear his voice. <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> Hammers him a couple of times. Into the rope. Ducking low. Oh my goodness. See that move. He calls that the shockwave. Jet defeats Das Wonderbald with a suplex. <laughs> Jason Jet's pants suck, by the way. Like, they are not... I don't even know if I could call them pants. Whatever. They're like three-quarter tights? It's like... It's like their knee pads with the like with like a strip coming up the side, like their chaps. Ew. Like I don't even what the, the, the fuck they're poor. It's it's I don't know what that is. Back to the desk where Hudson calls this the major leagues of pro wrestling. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean Quinny's right. Vince only owned top shelf material. Yeah. I own WCW. And the XFL, of course. Today makes up some shit about how all the wrestlers circled around a monitor to watch Jason Jett's creative. I'm sure that all of that happened. Well, he had all these great creative, innovative moves, Quinn, such as drop kicks and suplexes. Wonderful. (laughs) An unnecessary video package for Totally Buff. That's right. The team of Lex Luger and Marcus Bagwell. This was a weird promo because first of all there's no talking second of all it's like this weird like looks like a cologne ad foggy gold (laughs) i I don't know like like a stetson commercial motorcycles and cars lex better be careful it's like really extreme close-up shots to the point where you can't even see abs yeah like (laughs) abs and on their faces and they're driving like the side of their faces yeah i don't know what were they hyping them for well nothing because there's nothing to hype for because there's no company anymore (laughs) i own WCW. Tanae mm-hmm. Quinn proudly displays 
like we mentioned, the latest WCW magazine. And I'm not kidding. As he flips through it, it looks to have like 17 pages in it. It's well, so thin. What is there to really talk about? <laughs> That's true. Now, Scott Hudson thanks uh, 1-800-COLLECT and America Online version 6.0 for sponsoring <laughs> Spring Breakout 2001. Yeah, yeah, that makes up for AOL selling the company. AOL is a poor company at this point. Like They are. They, poorly run, you mean. Like, yeah. So just, uh, just to rewind a little bit here. AOL had bought Time Warner, if you can believe that. Yes, they did in now, 2000. Time Warner, you may know, is still a big juggernaut. You know, it, it just merged into AT&T. Yeah, Time um, Warner had purchased Turner Broadcasting right, Systems right. in 96. So Time Warner is a big, big guy, right? Absolutely. At this point in time. But AOL, because of the stock boom for uh, internet stocks, yeah, the, dot -com the, bubble. the dot com bubble, all of a sudden they somehow had more money than Time Warner. Yeah. But you have to remember, AOL is a is an idea that is very poor because the internet is about to change. There's about to be broadband. So there is literally no point of AOL. This is so funny because right around 01 is when AOL became meaningless. Right. They, that's when they had the most, they were at peak money. Yep. They buy Time Warner and they absolutely like ruin it yep. to the point that Time Warner like buys itself out of the company or like kicks AOL out. Yeah, something like, like that. AOL is just left with nothing. They went from the buyer to like, I don't know, a hobo on the street. Yeah. Like nobody wanted them. It's known as a very disastrous merger. And right. so much so that AOL now, when they purchased it in 2000, they decided, you know what? We don't want this WCW, which isn't making us money anymore anyway. Who are they to be telling <laughs> anybody that they're not making money, first well, of all? It's like, true, I, though. It always, like, sort of, like, pissed me off because there was a couple of results of this, which is, this is probably the only time we'll be able to talk about this. Yeah, go ahead. First of all, Ted Turner, say what you will about Ted Turner, he fucking built this company, right? Yeah, Ted Turner was a very influential in all of this. Time Warner bought Turner because... That was a very successful venture. TBS, TNT, CNN, CNN all exactly. these things. He innovated. The Braves. He was he was all over the place. You know, what was one of the first orders of business AOL did what? They kicked Ted Turner out of the company. Yes, they did. He he had limited influence once Time Warner purchased them, but once AOL merged, they then had he absolutely had zero respect for the man who made cable. Basically, he was in the wrestling business too. Don't forget, right? So this, this was his baby. Fuck AOL. Fuck AOL. So, yeah, okay. Right. Second of all, now we're getting... They were hyping the spring breakout, <laughs> yeah. right? They are hyping the Panama Beach Nitro, the last Nitro. Yep. Spooky. Like, very, very spooky, like they're right? They, and we're not... There's no talk of the company going out of business I would, I would imagine... I don't know how long these took to produce, but probably not more than a few days. Yeah. I would imagine that Hudson today filmed this... Hudson and Tanae filmed this a few days before the right. sale, right? they have right? no idea. They're blissfully unaware. Right, they just edited this, threw it on the air, and yeah. they don't know. But apparently, Quinn, uh, the band's Vertical Horizon, <laughs> Sister Hazel, and of course, the Pat McGee band will Whoa. be playing at the Panama Nitro. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, when we come back, Quinn, it is time for Mike Tanae's Pick of the Week, but we get a helpful graphic with that trivia question again. Yeah. So they reveal the humorous trivia question. Now! Yeah, right? They fucking told us yeah. this already. Yeah, Crash the Terminator. Who produced this shit? <laughs> also, like, the music, everything, again, Nintendo 64 it's, City. It's like, That's terrible. Well, Quinn, we're back, though, with the Professor's Pick of the Week. I, I'm thinking he's going to have to pick a new job myself. Yeah. Ha. I own WCW. But no, Quinn, it's a match from the Great American Bash 1997. Huh? <laughs> Wait, so, they, what? So, what? So we're not even going to talk about anything new? So they're basically saying, hey, remember when we were good and, and in business still? I own WCW. It's so 
bad. This is like them realizing like man it is so bad right now that the best thing we can talk about is when the nwo was right high and <laughs> yeah. dungeon of doom and all this bullshit well here's the best from part like 97 <laughs> here's the best part it's a tribute to hugh morris as he faces conan at great american batch 97 because conan had just turned on the laughing man at slamboree that year so this is supposed to be like shitty primetime essentially like old matches and banter like, that's, like, all this is. <laughs> yeah, but it's so, it's so bad. So Conan Quinn is in his gangster ice cream man attire, all white. He, <laughs> he looks, looks like, like one of the Bariquas. Like, you know what upset me is, like, I thought for sure he was in the NWO at this point, but I guess not. He was before NWO, but, pr- he like... He was, like, Viva post- La Raza yeah, version or whatever. Right. So Tony, Bobby, and Dusty are on commentary. That Thank classic God. team. Very like, good team. You know why? The reason I like this is because for... 25 minutes now i've been listening to mike today and scott Hudson, and they are abysmal just to hear the the tones of tony bobby and dusty i'm like good thank team. the lord good pay-per-view team yeah right they really were i did like them yeah. i did too so hugh with a big close on the start followed by a big running drop kick conan fights back tosses Hugh outside a kick to the ass by conan and he tosses Hugh into the ring steps conan hits his big high impact move the reverse chin N- chin lock now i want to say the, all the action you just described, yeah. that's the last of the action. Oh, the yeah. rest of the 10 minutes or whatever <laughs> we have to watch this shit. Seated drop kick by the ice cream man, followed by another. And now it's time for a very crappy reverse step over toe hold. It was horrible. Uh, humorous fights back, tosses Conan outside and into the steps. And Shivani with a very Tony Shivani esque line. He's like, that's just like a weapon. Yeah, no shit, <laughs> asshole. I am very proud, though, Quinn, of the announcers thus far. They've only talked about the NWO like <laughs> yeah. a tiny bit. Well, to be fair, there is no NWO involvement. At all True. in this match. So there's no NWO on the screen. It's or hard to talk about him, right? Yeah, they yeah, tried, but yeah. it was minimal. Big drop kick by Hugh gets a close two. And then he grabs a seated grapevine half Nelson or something. Overhead gut wrench suplex by the laughing man gets two. I will say the crowd has been less than enthused as uh, Hugh puts Conan in an uninspiring arm bar. <sighs> Why is this Tanae's pick? It's rest hold city. Like, <laughs> and both guys are so tired and fat and they're just <laughs> sitting around. Like, it is Joe good, is yeah. describing these moves like grapevine and all this yeah. stuff. That's being, they're all rest holds. That's being very kind. Yes. They, they are sitting the <laughs> fuck around. They are not doing shit. They are sweating and, and they can't breathe. And it, it's horrible. It's not a good match. Uh, Conan escapes and hits a lariat, then goes into a stump puller for a second before switching to a head scissors. Rest. Uh, Dusty compliments the camera work. He's like, ah, nice thought there, guys. Good job, Cliff. Cliff? <laughs> Both men up. Hugh tries a standing switch reversed into an Irish whip by Conan. Armbar by Hugh kicked off by Conan. And then an extremely slow, awkward corner sequence leads to an O'Connor roll for two by Conan. Crappy power slam by the laughing man. And he goes up for the no laughing matter. But he takes like five years to do it. What was this? He's like, I'm going to finish him. (laughs) (laughs) Ball shot. Fucking idiot. Ball shot. Yeah. Ball shot by Conan. Throws him into the turnbuckle. I think he hit the post. And then we get a. One of the favorite Eagle songs, the Tequila Sunrise. So I just want to I just want to say something here. The Tequila Sunrise, right? He when he puts that on, because there was so many rest holds, I just thought it was another rest hold. So did and I. then all of a sudden he's tapping. That match was horrible. Like, good lord, it was bad. <laughs> like how? How is that the pick? The best part is that it was a tribute to Hugh Morris and he lost. Yeah. Like, that's very WCW. Right. That's very WCW, <laughs> but it's also like the end, so like I don't know if they care at all. <laughs> they clearly yeah. don't. I own WCW. Uh, so back to Tanae. 
who talks about how humorous humorous is a big inspiration in the locker room. Really? No. Uh, seriously, WCW is going to be on Raw in two days. Like, who cares? Uh, next week, though, Quinn, they do hype next week. We're going to get a recap of what happened at WCW Greed. Yeah, Hudson says the world is still trembling at the events of Greed. That joke just writes itself, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. And that's it. So long, everybody, from uh, WCW Worldwide. This show was weird. Bizarre. You know Ill-informed. The, the, I think that one of the weirdest parts was just clipping to, like, um, Sean O'Hare sitting on boxes, <laughs> like, talking about Spider-Man and Tybo or whatever. That might have been the highlight, really, yeah. because yeah. nothing... This was bad. <laughs> I don't get... Was this supposed to be, like, some, like... It's almost like WWF Confidential or something. Like, I don't, <laughs> almost. Like, I... It was really weird. Like, what is even happening here? I don't know. They didn't show... It was the Hugh Morris show. Were they... Is this show just, like, they're obligated to produce it kind of situation? Like, they have a deal with the with syndication or, I like... They, it just felt like they didn't want to make it. They, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, seriously, folks, half the show was a Hugh Morris interview, and then the other part was a Hugh Morris match. I had to take a piss in the middle of this, and yeah. they played the bumper music so much that I was, like, humming the bumper music while I was peeing. Well, there's a visual for yeah. you, folks. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Quinn, unfortunately for WCW, this is just not a way to go out. I mean, not, what else are they going to do? Well, they, to be fair, they didn't go out here. No, they but went out one, one week from left, here. <laughs> and again, folks, if you can find that elusive... April 1st, 2001, WCW Worldwide. We would love to yeah. see that one. I've talked to collectors, and everyone I know has said this is like, nobody knows where this is. Like, Well, well the guy that had the outro, like the yeah. last couple minutes, got rid of it. He had the whole episode. He only dumped the outro. <laughs> My favorite is that it's just like, it's poor quality. It's like, so that's, bad. I wouldn't like, want to watch that anyway. Yeah, but it's just, to me, that's the most amazing part of it, is that it just makes it more legendary, like this yeah. this lost footage. Right, right. Like, <laughs> so good. Well, this is a very tail end of WCW. It's not often, Quinn, when you think WCW, you don't think 2001. No. And here's a good reason why. I mean, no, nothing going on anymore. When the Hopeless. company's last pay-per-view is called Greed. That's amazing. You, you, you understand amazing. why everything went wrong. Greed. You know what? I'm glad, though. In a way, I'm glad that we actually did something from the dying days of WCW. We've always been meaning to. Now, if we ever find that elusive worldwide, oh, we definitely need to do that. That's even though, like, done. that's like, I don't even know what that can be. More talking to Sean O'Hare. I, I hope. Except now he's like homeless or something. I hope we get a satellite but, interview with Lash LaRue. Yeah. I would love that. Well, I don't know if that, that satellite hookup, we're really going to have trouble funding that. Because, <laughs> I mean, no expense was spared this week, as Mike Tanay said. That's so, true. That was probably all the money I had left. That probably is. And, folks, you didn't have to spend any expense to listen to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling yep. Podcast, for yet another week. Thank you so much for listening. It's been great to be with you guys. And we will, of course, unlike Worldwide, we will be back for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Join us again next week for episode number 113. In the meantime, if you have a Facebook, go join the group. We promise you it'll be a really fun time. Follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. And if you want to donate, that would be great. And go to patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. That's a great question. That's a couple of them. Christina, here's your answer.
I was a professional kickboxer and I was undefeated, but the reason I stopped is that kickboxing and boxing had too many rules. Gloves, kicking both ways, you know, knees to the head. I enjoy more of the ultimate fighting championship kind of uh, fighting underground, you know, illegal kind of fights. And uh, that's illegal, so I can't really do that. And there's not a lot of money in it. So uh, the answer is no, I would not be a professional kickboxer, but I would have pursued something in the professional fighting area. I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, and uh, but it's more for the artwork and the storyline than anything. I would not like to be a writer or anything. I like to follow it. I like the... Uh, I own WCC.